0: We've worshiped, we've prayed, we've sang, and now we are ready to hear the word of God. Speak to us now. Our hearts are full. We are ready to hear you. So stand in our pastor one more time. Give him the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. And in the end, God, will be sure to give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen amen and amen. In light of Mother's Day, I want to share a very special word with our queens of the house. In the gospel according to Mark chapter 7, there's a very familiar and famous passage of Scripture Mark 7 verse 24 thank you for not taking a break on Jesus on Mother's Day for without him there are no mothers thank you that you found yourself in the house of the Lord mark chapter 7 verse 24 If you have it, say amen. Amen. From there he arose, and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house, and he wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a mother whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, She heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The mother was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her,
1: Let the children be filled first. For it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, for the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. And all God's children said, Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, Neighbor. neighbor, oh, neighbor oh, Neighbor. This morning, this morning my pastor, my pastor wants, to to wants to talk to you about a savior a, savior, a, mother, a mother can't count on.
0: Amen. A savior that a mother can count on. Amen. Thank you, Reverend.
1: In today's text, family, we see the master engaging a non Jewish believer in a crisis situation. Her faith has been literally placed on trial. And Jesus is going to test her in order to prove her. This text this morning, mothers, is about faith in the midst of a crisis. It's literally a text about a mother who is seeking to help her baby. She's a mother who cares about the underworld destroying her child. It's about Jesus caring for mothers and children. The text is about his protection for the weak in society and for those who cannot protect themselves. This is what makes Jesus a savior worth having. Buddha can't do that. Muhammad can't do that. The higher Christianers can't do that. Aristotle and philosophies of the world can't do that. Only Jesus is a savior worth having. Y'all gonna help me preach through here today. Sister Garcia, daughter, I know it's it's the first time ever recorded in scripture that Jesus has ever entered into this portion of the country. He's in northern Palestine beyond the borders and in the place of Syrophoenicia where there were unloving people living there. People whom the Jews were forbidden to mingle with. They, they were ancient descendants of the Canaanites who were arch enemies against the children of God. They were considered to be an immoral people, a race of people who one time God had marked for human extinction. He ordered Joshua when they were going into the land of Canaan to possess it to wipe out the Canaanites. Because they refused to hear the laws of Moses. And in this amazing story, now we get to see what happened in Israel's disobedience. Because they failed to disobey God, the enemy stayed in the land. And as a result, they became a thorn in the side of Israel for the rest of their days. Now, this story opens up showing that there's an enemy of God who now needs his help. Y'all listening here? This woman who's a descendant, she's a Syrophoenician by birth, is a descendant of the Canaanites and the God that her ancestors rejected, she now has need of. So when we walk into this text, we see a a great experience that's about to occur for even the enemies of God. God has compassion on everybody. Look at somebody good looking and tell them, God's got compassion on your enemies. On your enemies. Amen. I got three points today and I'm going to get on out your way. All right. Number one, I want to talk about the mother's crisis. The mother's crisis. Number two, I want to talk about the mother's circumstances. The mother's circumstances. And then number three, I want to close with talking about the mother's certainty. Your points are on the screen behind you. Work with me in verse 25. The text opens up in verse 24, but we want to spend our launching moments in verse 25. text says, for a mother whose young daughter. Now look at this. This is not an infant the young daughter was probably a teenager, right? Okay, so the young daughter, she had, watch this now, an unclean spirit. Can I say some more? And, and and when the mother learned about Jesus coming to their region where Jews never came, she came and fell at his feet. First thing I notice in the text is that when we arrive here, first thing we see is a mother who has a difficult family to manage. The daddy evidently is missing. Y'all in here? And mother has got a job to do all by herself. This woman is in what I call, Dr. Jasmine, a hard place. And she's got a hard case. As a single parent, She is in need of divine assistance. For her daughter is possessed by an unclean, circle that word, evil spirit. Now this is important for you to know because this demon ain't like other demons. In some type of way, this young daughter has gotten abducted, possessed, by an unclean spirit. Can I spend some time there? Perhaps in her Canaanite culture, she had embraced the MTV values. And somewhere in society, she invited the lasciviousness, the unclean customs, and cultures into her heart. And so now she was filled with an unclean spirit. In other words, she was a perverted young girl. Y'all, I don't need to be x rayed this morning, but y'all know where I'm going, right? Everything about her was filthy. In other words, her thoughts were possessed with a sexualized culture. Her, her gestures made her sexually promiscuous. Her actions and behaviors, her words and her actions, everything about her was impure. And as a result, her mind was unclean. Am I talking to you? Y'all know some young girls like that? Everything come out their mouth, right? is filthy, they're saturated with pornography. They're arrested by uh, fulfilling the lust of their flesh and it's all they think about all day long. They listen to the music, they dress provocatively. Come on, talk to me. That's because an unclean spirit is influencing the culture. But in this case, this unclean spirit went a step farther Asked for permission and moved inside. And now was taking up residence in her body 24-7. And as a result, once the devil got inside, he began to torment the girl. And as a result of tormenting her, he created havoc in mama's home. The demon had come to destroy her daughter's life. And now the mother was unable to help Her baby. Can I tell you today, New Beginnings, is a bad situation when your baby needs you and you can't help him. It's a bad situation when your baby is being attacked and you can't protect him. It's a bad situation when the devil's got your baby and the power that you possess is powerless against his assaults. In other words, brothers and sisters, this mother was no match for this evil spirit. She needed a savior who could make this devil behave. Y'all in the text with me? She was desperate to see her baby haul, but live without it ever coming to pass. She she was in a terrible situation. She had a crisis of faith, hope, and salvation. And and her crisis did not help her situation. But the Bible says that her crisis did fuel her determination. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, the Bible says that when she heard. Y'all hear that right there? That Jesus was in the region. She came. Y'all catch that right there? And she fell at his feet. I don't know where she was when she heard what she heard or what she was doing when she heard what she heard wherever she was but whatever she was when she heard what she heard she did some about her situation because she knew that what she heard had to be the answer to what her daughter needed to hear in order to change her situation from what it was to what it could be. I'm just saying what she heard when she heard what she heard about he can do down in the other region. She just figured if I'm hearing correctly then what I'm hearing is correct and I'm going to do some about what I heard. I heard he can fix my baby. And I'm going to get to the one who can make a difference in their life. Can I say some more? Guys, I don't think we recognize how horrible of a crisis this was for her. I bet she tried everything she could to get her daughter's mind back on track. See, this unwanted situation took her beyond what I call, brothers and sisters, is the human limits of tolerance.
0: I missed somebody right there.
1: She tolerated teenage rebellion until it went to the point of total possession. There are some things as parents we tolerate because we know they're going through adolescence. But there's a difference between toleration and possession. Are y'all in here now? Some of, I need to, this ain't in my nose, but I need to park the car. Some of y'all have crossed the line beyond toleration. And now it's not just tolerating behavior. You see where the behavior has taken over your child. That's the point where the parent must step up. Are you listening here? This ain't just infatuation no more or experimental things. This has gone beyond the realm. And something now has totally control of your baby. When I look at the text, the circumstances that were upon her were insurmountable. What do you mean, Dr. Wilson? Well, they were beyond her control. And they were driving her now to the breaking point of life. This situation had to have caused her to experience complete desperation. And the need of salvation now was urgent for her baby girl. When I look at this text, I discover that every now and then in life, you and I too encounter dangerous situations. Dangerous situations that create for us, mother, what we call is the crisis of faith. See, it's when the crisis of faith is upon us that we realize we need a savior. Don't you fool yourself. Even the psychologists understand this. Even the doctors and the greatest scientific minds of the world know that some problems are bigger than they're thinking. Am I making sense here? It is then that we begin to look to Jesus for the answer to what is troubling our lives. In other words, my brothers and sisters, this crisis was no joke. This crisis was for real. This crisis was about to make this mama lose her mind. For her baby was being held captive by an evil taskmaster who was inflicting demonic torture on her soul. And as a result of her crisis, we get to peek into her circumstances. Look at verse 26 with me. The text says that the mother was a Greek, a Syro-Phoenician by birth. And, and, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children first be filled, and for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Let, let me spend some work here. Spend some time rather working in these two verses. Mark here decides to pay attention to her culture? Y'all catch that? And her community. Why, Mark? Is that important? Shouldn't the satanic difficulty that's wrecking her home be the first thing you address? Mark says no for a reason. Because her crisis was one thing, but her culture was another. Y'all catch that right there? Uh, not only was she herself under attack, but Mark wants you to know that her culture had been under oppression for years. In other words, I believe Mark is trying to peek behind the curtain in the other realm of satanic warfare and spiritual attacks. He's saying, Angelus, the Canaanite culture has been dealing with unclean demons the whole time. What do you mean, Pastor? Uh, Trace the lineage of their worship. They have been sacrificing babies on the altar of sacrifice. They have been having uh, orgies to worship the gods of their culture so promiscuous living and behavior had permeated the culture. So this daughter simply inherits a culture of satanic activity. Is it any wonder why the devil lives in some communities? Y'all in here with me? And so when Mark, I believe, opens up this text, he's allowing us to peek into the culture and societal trends and trends and norms of a community. Yeah. So this satanic attack had come to oppress the human race. So her problem, brothers and sisters, was not just an isolated problem, but rather it was a global supernatural phenomenon. Can I park the car in idle right here for a minute? when you look at North America it don't take rocket science to figure out we got an immoral problem if you peek real good behind the scripts of Hollywood's best movies there's a satanic influence working there am I in here with y'all look behind the music industry you can see a dark presence working there hello y'all focus up here Look behind the fashion industry. You can see a dark presence at work there. I I know you might not want to see it, but let me bring it into focus on this Mother's Day. There was a dark and wicked spirit in this world. Jesus calls him the prince of the air, the God, little G, of this world, and he mastered, Minds, the unclean thinking and activity for all of humanity. And North America feeds the world with her garbage. We have become the sewage of filth that floods the floodgates of humanity. I'll never forget being in the dusty streets of Uganda where they don't even have uh, paved roads or no man, everyone, and don't have a job. But they had cell phones and had access to our MTV stations. So look at this culture. Look at what, how Satan has ruled the world in his mastermind and unclean thinking and perverseness. He floods the airways yeah, yeah. with well, immoral thinking. So is it any wonder today why you got to fight with your kids about what they're going to wear? Oh, yeah. What they watching on TV. Yeah. What they listening to. Yeah. Y'all in here? Yeah. The filthiness of their language. Yeah. Come on, talk to me, y'all. Yeah. We're in a war. Yeah. And so this Canaanite woman, this, this war had begun to now tear her home apart. Yeah. Yeah. I like this text, though. Because she was in it to win it. Amen. She she wanted to do something about her baby situation. But secondly, I think Mark mentions this because as a Gentile mother, she was also considered a second-class citizen. What do you mean? She was racially discriminated against by the Jews. The Jews absolutely hated. The Gentiles. So not only that was she being oppressed by the underworld but now she was racially discriminated against by the Jews and she had no access to God. Can I say some more? Not only those two horrific things, but she was in need of help with no resources to help. See, all her life, t- she had been exposed to false gods of the Greek culture. She was now, though she was a descendant of Canaanite, she had now embraced a whole other system of gods. And Greek mythology was ruling the world at this time. So she was, she was a, a Greek mythologist. Struggling with astrology and philosophy, probably praying to Zeus and Hermes and Hades, are y'all with me here? Plus, had inherited a culture that was immorally based and gods from strange lands. Is not it any wonder that a baby was so messed up? I don't mean to dump the whole truck on you, but I'm going to dump it today. Can I say some more? And on top of that, she was all alone in her misery. None of her idols in this area in which she lived could bring relief in her home. She was alone in her pain, separated and segregated, subjugated to whatever the enemy wanted to do to her baby. She was at total control of the enemy. And then the sad thing, number five, is as a Gentile, she didn't enjoy the privileges of being one of God's chosen babies. See, positionally, she had no claim to God. Positionally, she had no access to the Messiah because she was a Gentile. And the little Greek gods of her culture couldn't help her understand her or even help her out. They had ears, but they couldn't hear Some mother looking at me today, you've been in a situation like this. You've been surrounded by sorrow, suffocating, yes, with despair. You know what it's like to want to fix things for your children, but the resources are not there. You know what it's like to watch your children being destroyed by a demonic presence, but all you can do is watch. You know what it's like to wake up discouragement and lay down with difficulty. You know what it's like to have heartache, yes, headache, and heartbreak all in the same day. You know what it's like to be... Outcast and then cashed out. You ha- you know what it's like to have your baby talked about and have a handful of hell wrecking your house. Mothers, you can identify with this sister. You, you can relate to her. You know her pain, her crisis, her circumstances. Heck, you lived on her street. You understand her. You, you, you know she needs Jesus and she needs him now. She's desperate for a breakthrough and a breakout. She, she can't even enjoy holidays, birthdays, traditions, celebrations. Why? Because her house is a mess, her head is a mess, and her heart is a mess. And her condition is raw, and her emotions are real, and mama needs a savior, and she needs him now. When I look at the text, the text says that mama begged Jesus. Yeah, she begged him to drive the demon out of her. This is not my nose, Brother Will, but I wonder, I wonder where her awareness came from, from the satanic culture. She clearly defines who it is that's destroying her home. She recognized this is an evil, unclean spirit. She's not ignorant like most North Americans don't believe that a devil is real. She has faced her reality. And she's naming the problem what it is. Can I turn the light on? In this mother's desperate state, the text says she begged. She pleaded with Jesus. She interceded for her baby girl. But watch how she did it. She did it from the position of worship. She ain't begging standing up. She ain't begging passing by. The Bible says she fell at his feet. (laughs) I just said something right there. And during the course of her worshiping him, her exchange of God, she now has got access to beg to the God of heaven and earth who can cure her crisis. I like this because nobody had to tell her to assume the position. No, when she discovered that the only one in the world who can save her baby was in her region and the only one alone who had the cure for her baby, she stepped out in faith and began to beg him for his services. Can I turn the corner right here? She was a Gentile, but it didn't matter what he looked like. It didn't matter that what society said about her. It didn't matter that, that he was a Jew and she was a second-class citizen. No, and somebody looking at me today, you need to take your cues from this mother. Yeah. What do you mean, pastor? Yeah, you need to do something bold about your case. You talk to psychiatrists, you talk to teachers, you keep your baby on medication, but he's getting worse. She's getting worse. It's time to do something bold about your case. But what do I need to do, Pastor? Step out in faith and try and see what Jesus says about the situation. You need to try him, yes, while he's in the house. Can I turn the corner right there? Uh, I was just doing a study here, Brother Alex, and I noticed something. that Other people tried him when he was in their house. Can I call roll? Peter's mother-in-law was sick. While she was in his house, he called on Jesus and he fixed the situation. Jay Iris had a baby girl who was at death's door in his house. He called on Jesus and he fixed the situation. Some friends one time brought him to another house and broke open the roof and let down a man on a stretcher. But Jesus was in the house And he fixed that situation And the New Testament is filled Of miracles done in the house Casting out demons In the house Healing sick people in the house And I just believe today that he's in this house And somebody ought to try Him. Why he's in the house That's just good to me Matthew Henry said Wilson those that would obtain mercy From Christ must throw themselves At the master's feet they must humble themselves and give up themselves In order to be ruled by him And he said when they do this They will find out that Christ Never turns anybody away Who falls at his feet Ain't that good news? There ain't as a promise there y'all If you'll bow down At the foot of Christ He promised To fix your situation. And this lady figured it out. Once she prostrated herself. Before Jesus. Then. Somebody say then. Then. She began her request. See some of y'all. You asking for what you asking for. But it's the position from which you're asking for it from. (laughs) Maybe you're from a position of pride. Maybe you got a second game plan just in case God don't come through. You you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm going to make some of y'all real mad today. I don't mean it. But you know, you pray, God,
0: protect my baby girl. Don't let her get pregnant. And then you help God out by putting her on birth control. You asking... But
1: you've got another position in mind. You're going to help God out.
0: Oh, I knew that was going to be tough. I knew that wasn't going to go over right. Amen. But it's true.
1: And unfortunately in North America, that's how we live. We, 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 we say prayers, but we got our own pocket of resources. And we just call it wisdom using common sense. You know, we call all that stuff, right? And so we never plead with God from the position of humility, from the position of total dependence. We don't plead with God from the position of not having another plan. We don't plead with God from the position of saying, God, if you don't. That alone will change your prayer life. Go in here. Get rid of your other options and see how you pray. Am I talking to you? I like this text that she told him what she wanted. And she requested of him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. Can I turn the corner and tell you? She was specific. She didn't have to do that old Baptist prayer. Uh, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I thank thee, O Lord, that tonight I was not on my cooling board. No formality in her prayer. She needed to tell the Lord what she needed. And can I tell you, it's not till you get desperate with God that you come real with God. It's not till you get desperate that you tell him what you really want. Our problem in North America is we ain't desperate enough. In fact, we don't do like the third world countries and pray for our daily bread and then walk out in the street to see if we're going to find it. Can I turn the light on? In fact, when you go shopping, you don't even buy food for the day. You buy for the whole month because you don't want to come out no more. I'm talking about your wealth now. I'm talking about your wealth now. Am I making sense here? And so, and so because of science, and I'm way off cue, but I promise I'll come back. Because of science and our generation and technology, we have switched gods. So even when we're praying for healing, we got one eye open and we're checking the doctors to see which one is the best in their field. We ain't got desperate. And as a result of not getting desperate, we don't really seek God with all we have. And as a result of not seeking God for all that we have, we've become a church that's ineffective in her prayers. Come on, talk to me. In fact, sometimes we don't even pray about stuff. We just do it on our own. And we do. We have consultations with God. We consult God on the way. If you can't say man, selch. Say but in studying this text, I found our brother Tommy at the five-star church can learn from this sister's intimate practice in this text. See, we need to exercise the ministry of prostration. The ministry of prostration, you know that's praying on your face. In a posture of desperation. I dare not ask the question: when was the last time you've been on your knees? Because you may have been down there for some other reason. But I believe that the reason why a lot of our prayers aren't being heard today is because we are desperate enough. The reason why we can't see no change in our marriages. We can't see no change in our children. We can't see no change in our culture. We can't see no change in our church. It's because we ain't desperate enough. Your pastor been preaching for seven years about wanting to serve you full time. It ain't happened yet. I know why. You ain't got desperate enough. You ain't desperate. It shows in your worship. It shows in your Bible life. It shows in your living and your giving. It shows in your serving. You ain't desperate enough. Because the desperate man lives on a whole nother level. The desperate woman serves from a whole depth of experience. When you get desperate, you change your game. But I'm patient, new beginnings. Because I've been called to serve you. So if you can live with 10% of a pastor, I'm patient. But when you get desperate, when you really want the man of God to watch over your souls and to invest in your marriages and your babies, you're going to get desperate. And your desperation is going to drive you to your knees and into the face of God. And it will show in your living and your giving and your serving. Because you, like this woman, will have started a new ministry in your home. The ministry of prostration. I believe, I believe, I believe that when we get desperate. Our crisis drives us to our knees and we lay out before God and then make our requests known unto Him from, from a complete place of pain and brokenness and deep sorrow. Can I say some more? We see this even in the sports world, guys. Come on, athletes, lean in a little bit. It's not until it's the seventh game of the series. And the clock is the fourth quarter and two minutes and you're down. Desperation kicks in and you start to do things from a place in a position that you've never done them before. You recognize that a loss is going to be too devastating to deal with. Am I in here with you? It's not until, unfortunately, cancer is at your door that you recognize my next breath might be my last and It really does matter where I'm going to spend eternity It's not until it's your baby in jail And you recognize I need my pastor But he can't come because he at work That desperation kicks in Are y'all in here now? Look she interceded for her baby At the critical time of her life Intercessory prayer kicked in And she beseeched him then The word simply means to entreat, to beg, to plead from the inner bowels of one's soul. And she did that after she fell at his feet. See, the five-star church can't get a breakthrough praying our prayers because they ain't sincere. Five-star church can't never be all that she can be. If she'll not prostrate herself before the throne of God. Want to know why you don't have no power? You don't prostrate. Want to know why that thing keeps bothering you? You can't get victory over your flesh. You won't kill it. You keep that sinful nature on life support. Just in case you get that urge again. But according to this text, the greatest blessing that we can ask of Christ for our children is that he would break the power of Satan and sin in their lives. Don't don't overlook that in the text. The greatest question you can have for God is that he would break the power of the culture and the satanic influence that this demon had over her daughter. That was the best question she could ask. She begged Jesus to drive the
0: demon out. I know I lost y'all, but just humor me now and listen for the rest of the way.
1: Verse 27 says this, that Jesus heard her prayer. And he said this, he said, daughter, let the children first
0: be filled. For it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs.
1: Talking to some students the other day, Dr. Bokel in my office, and we were reading this passage, and they said, what does he mean, Pastor this. I said, well, daughter, that's an allegory. And an allegory is a story or a poem that paints a picture of a hidden meaning. And I said to them, I said, daughter, Jesus is not denying a begging mama. But rather, he's suggesting that there will one day be hope for the little dogs. But let the children eat first, says this, that mercy, yes, must first come to those who mercy was initially drawn up for. And then the Gentiles will not be far away. In other words, Jesus was sharing that a blessing was on the way for you, mother. He was saying that God does have salvation for you too. But first, let salvation go to the Jews. For Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Watch this now. To everyone. Somebody say everybody. Everybody. To everyone that believes salvation's coming to everyone, right? And then he says, to the Jew first And then, to the Gentiles. second thing about this text is Jesus saying is he 's testing the woman 's faith. Why? To see if she had assurance enough to believe that the Messiah had come for her. Can I turn the light on? Every now and then, before God moves in your situation, He tests what's in your heart. The promise has always been yours. He's testing what's in her heart. Have you truly given up all your gods? Have you truly separated yourself from the norms of your culture? Jesus isn't through in her case. He he is looking for something in her heart to see what a desperate mother really is. I wonder today, if there's anybody here that's ever been tested like this by God. Is there anybody here that's ever, yeah, been put on the block of waiting In the midst of the crisis. Have you ever had to sit with him sister Corley. Before your thing got changed. Have you ever had to wait on God. And encourage yourself. As you waited. I've learned that it's in the waiting period. Daughter Carrie that God. Is building up my faith. My faith in his word. And my faith daughter in his power. Jesus plans on healing this baby, but he doesn't just want to heal the baby and then mama go back to the status quo. This miracle is true, Paul. Not only must the baby be saved, but the daughter must become a witness. And the daughter doesn't become a witness till she shifts allegiances in God. And till now she has a personal encounter with God that can be with her when he leaves the region. My third point as I close is the mother's certainty. Jesus says these words to the mother. And then she responds in verse 28. Listen to her words. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. When I look at this text, it's powerful. Because the woman responds... It's based on both a, thank you Lord, a cultural and context explanation. See, historically, historically, this is what was happening. She saw or heard the news of the Jews rejecting Jesus in northern Palestine. She heard of the Pharisees and the scribes and Sadducees doubting him in his public ministry. She was aware of the opposition that he was encountering. And that's what drove him up to the north to get away from the hustle and bustle and problems of the ministry. So when he arrives in Phoenicia, she's well aware of why he's there. When he says it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the little dogs, her response is witty. She comes back and says, but yeah, Lord. The children are playing with their food. The bread that came to feed them, they don't even want. So, 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 the little dogs that's under the table will take what they don't want. She's saying, Jesus, I know you didn't come to the Jew Gentiles first. Well, since the Jews have rejected you, we'll take the parts they don't want. Can I give you some more insight? It said that rich Jews, when they ate, would take loaves of bread. And they didn't use napkins like we would to wipe their hands. They would take bread, break it and wipe themselves with the bread. And the crumbs from the wiping would just fall on the floor and the servants were supposed to sweep up the crumbs and that's how they ate. So when we look at this text, that's what she said. They've wiped their hands of you, Jesus. And the servants, the little dogs, are waiting for what falls at the table. (laughs) can't help it though. I can't help it. I got to look into it one more time. Can I show you? I just believe that as a mama, she believed that everybody who comes in the house ought to eat. And sometimes the children have to eat what's left over. But because I know you're a good God who supplies the house full of food, you're not going to let me go hungry. So Jesus, let the little dogs Eat what has fallen on the floor. I got to leave you now, but I can't help myself right here. See, as they were refusing his authority and rejecting his presence, refusing his ministry, they were like some of us, playing with the bread. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Some of us are just like that. Grandma and grandpa struggled to read the Bible, but caught every crumb that fell from the table. And then they worked hard to provide provisions uh, inquiry, so that you and I could go to seminary and learn how to cut the bread right, divide up the loaves appropriately. But we didn't got to the point we so arrogant about the bread. We don't want what's being served. I'm going to preach my own anniversary right now. New beginnings, I don't think you're going to find a better pastor. That's going to cut it straight. That's going to divide it up. That's going to make gravy over here. Provide breakfast over here. Expositional teaching and preaching here. Conferences over there. Seminars over there and serve it to you. But some of you playing with the brand. You you, 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 you you have to eat from somebody else's table You don't want the bread of life You want something else In fact you can sleep through the sermon You can miss Bible class You know why? You don't want the bread You, 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 you can do everything else during the week And we can give God 30 minutes on your time on Sunday You don't want the bread. You don't want it to be Lord over your life. That's why you got a separate life over here and a separate life over there because you don't want the bread. But there's some of us, hey, that's hungry this morning. There's some of us that say, Pastor, if you never cook another five-star meal, I'll take the crumbs. There's some of us that are saying, I don't deserve to eat the whole loaf. But I sat by to tell you, what's in the crumbs is in the loaf. Uh, as I close on this excellent Mother's Day, I stop by to tell you that I don't mind sitting on the floor. I know I'm not able, yeah, to sit at the table of Jewish ritualism. And I know I'm not able, Brother Crawford, to sit at the table of Hebraic culture. So I'll just take my chances on the floor with the other Gentiles. And I'll wait this Sunday morning on the crumbs that fall from the Lord's table. See, the mother had faith enough to believe that God had a blessing for her. And the mother believed that God's power was more than enough. And the mother believed that God could fix her situation in spite of what it looked like. She believed that God will provide for her just as he provided for the Jews. And I'm glad today for her example of, yeah, urgency. I'm glad today for her faith shows me that God still hears. I'm glad today that the mother demonstrates for us what miracles can do in their lives. And her reply is one that's understood today That if you take a chance on Jesus He'll take a chance on you Well, as I closed this morning Jesus responded to the woman He said, daughter for this saying <laughs> Did y'all catch that right there? Daughter for this saying Go your way for the demon has gone out of your daughter Didn't have to go home with her To heal her baby didn't have to send a messenger on his behalf He just simply said the word And after saying the word Yeah, the demon had to leave I like that right there See, that means that Jesus can just say the word From wherever he is And the situation will be made whole I heard Zuluka talking about it We just prayed this week While the team is over in Haiti God will get the news All you got to do New beginnings When you gather on Tuesday night For corporate prayer Is say the word And God will give the team power While they're serving in Haiti I'm closing now But I thank God today For a mother who's persistent In seeing Jesus I thank God today For a mother who will spend time On her knees I thank God today that I had a mother like that I can remember Maddie Laverne Richardson Praying in the midnight hour Over a gangbanger son Who was lost And on his way to hell I can remember throwing up on the side of my bed, drunk out of my mind, and my mama sitting there with a cold towel, rubbing my head and singing the hymns of the church. I can remember on my way, yes, to the party out the window, and mama waiting on the other side, praying for me, and in a scene, she had a prayer ministry, I can remember mama coming to court, and I'm arrested for a drive-by shooting, shot over 13 people, and in court, she's got a Bible open, the only one on my side, rocking back and forth, talking to the Lord, on my behalf, I can't remember a mother who knew how to intercede for my soul. And I shake my head today. I understand now, Sean, how I became a preacher. I had an interceding mama who wouldn't take no for an answer. I had a mama who would bow down in the ministry of prostration who would splash oil all over me put Bible scriptures in the bathroom post scriptures over my bedpost, put them inside of my clothes pockets tuck them inside of my shirts when I walked outside she'd be quoting scripture to me the Lord said you shall live and not die get behind him devil, you can't have With one hand on her hip, I told the devil, He can't have you, boy. I told the devil, You belong to the Lord. And at night, I try to creep in at two in the morning. She'd be waiting right there in the chair with a little lamp on and the Bible in her hand, quoting scriptures to me all the way to the bedroom. And that's how I became a preacher. I didn't know it then, but I guess I didn't have a choice. I had a mama who had a savior she could count on. Where the mothers at, where the mothers at. I'm praying today, y'all, that God would raise up some mothers like Maddie Levine Richardson that would fight for your babies, that would lean in on prayer, that wouldn't take no to a culture, wouldn't take no for an answer, wouldn't make excuses for sin, but would fight for your children in the depths of the night. I'm closing now, but I have. It was at the cross At the cross Where she first saw the light And the burdens of her heart Were rolled away It was there by Jesus She gave her sight And preached the gospel All of her days She was a cross mama A mama of the cross She didn't try to explain away The mystery of the gospel But she told all the neighbors my homeboys too every time she got a chance that he died he died he died he died she told him he was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose early Sunday morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hands y'all think I'm playing huh can I tell you a story I remember one day I ditched school And we had a little house Behind the property And Marcia invited the homies over And they brought a ton of weed And we had the oldies going back there Mama was gone Daddy was gone And all of a sudden In the midst of a hide The door swung open And there she was Mama With a bible in her hand And a belt over her shoulder And I tried to leave she pushed me back. She said, uh-uh. Y'all finna listen to this. And she broke out the Bible. And I can remember her saying, The Lord is my shepherd; He shall not walk. She read the whole 23rd song. And I was mad. But my homeboys was crying. They was bending over. Trying to hide their face. I know what it was now. Holy Spirit coming through the vessel of mama to preach the gospel to some young boys who didn't have what I had, a mama who was a prayer warrior. So I step back to tell you, mamas are a good thing when they minister to your kids. Can I tell you some more? I remember in jail on an 18 month sentence on my birthday and she had some letters with her and she brought letters from the homeboys who were also incarcerated. They had been writing mama and mama had been writing them and I got an attitude. Why are you writing the homeboys? Telling them all this stuff and they had started making decisions with Jesus. She had a pen pal ministry and God began to minister my homeboys, so much so, that whenever I got out, and I came in the hood, and we started to plan dastardly deeds, they would have second thoughts about me being in the car, They don't need to be here, won't you just chill? we'll be back moon we got this you ain't got to go on this mission I know now what was going on mama's words were being played in her life mama's ministry was in the hood and mama was praying that God would protect her baby and that God would use her baby and can I say one last thing can I say one last A preacher in prison, walking the yards of prisons all over California, preaching the gospel to the same boys that he once ran with. See, prayer has benefits. Prayer has promise. Prayer has power. If there's a mother here today who's discouraged about your child, pray a little harder. If there's a mother here today confused. About your babies are you hearing me here fight for your babies I found out Mary your baby never gets too old if the rascal is 50 with gray hair he's still your baby can I talk to you I love it when I call mama and I say hey mama she say hi baby I say how you doing I'm doing fine. How's my grandchildren? They're well. Mama, I need you to pray for me. What do you need? I'm writing it down right now. And I'm going to tell the Lord all about it. When I get. There's a couple folk I got to thank. First of all, I'm going to thank Jesus for what he did at the cross. And then second of all, I'm going to find Grandma. <laughs> yes, because Grandma prayed for Mama. And then I'm going to find Mama, and I'm going to thank her. And then I'm going to grab Sister Wilson, and I'm going to pray the Lord for all that he's done. Thank God. For a praying mama, a mother who could see beyond the circumstance. Let the church say amen. amen. Come on, let the church say amen. amen. What a text. The Lord would trust the ministry of mothering to this young lady. And she would raise her daughter and intercede on her behalf. Perhaps you're here today and the Lord
0: is quickening your heart to better your ministry among your children. I will challenge you today to do just that. Develop the ministry of prostration and intercession. And plead with all your power. For the ones you love.
1: Salvation is available but it's only at the cross. Through the finished work of the Messiah. Jesus said I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but through me. There's a promise Household salvation is real. If you will take that promise by the bullhorns. Don't let go. God can use you to be a midwife for the new birth. Are your parents saved? Are your children saved? Is your spouse saved? If
0: not, do something about it intercede with fervency would you pray with me today bow your heads and then brother wilson is going to come with the invitation father god thank you today thank you for this woman's example of intercessory prayer thank
1: you lord god that she was willing to prostrate herself
0: and to beg you, Jesus, to be the difference in her home and her daughter's life. And then for the one who is here today, pray that you would encourage them as a mother. For the one who
1: is here today who was lost, pray that they would come today and be saved by this Savior
0: who's worth having. And we thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen.